Hello and welcome to Reading with Carrie, Stories to Fall Asleep to, a mindfulness podcast series that can be used as a sleep aid or to ease your anxiety and relieve your stress. I am your host, Carrie Favel, and I am so thankful that you've decided to spend some time with me. I have a little bit of a house cleaning announcement. First, I want to thank everyone for your support and your continued listening of this podcast. I really do believe in the message that I'm helping to spread, and I also just love telling stories. Um, That being said, while I will finish out season three and we will reach 100 episodes, the podcast will take another hiatus before we return for season four. I'm not sure if the hiatus will be forever and we'll leave this at 100 episodes or if I will come back, you know, six months, maybe another year. So what really happened is that I realized I am doing too much and I'm spreading myself too thin and therefore I'm not excelling in any one space. So I do think that this podcast is successful, that there are listeners out there and it means so much to me truly. But my dream has always been to be an entertainer, and I visualize that through voice acting. I recently had a very serious crack in my mental health a few days ago, actually, and it made me stop and think about things, which is hard for uh, me to say because I always stop and think about things. I am always overthinking, but I stopped in a more responsible way. And I got a vocal career strategist coach and we had a great talk and I'm going to go for it. And I always felt like I was going for it, but I was going about it in a comfortable way, in a comfortable manner without pushing myself too far out of what I felt as comfortable. And so it's an expense. I'm going to be getting a brand new commercial demo and I'm going to make an official narration demo, both professionally produced Uh, Right now I have what I call like a showcase, which is something that I put together. And my commercial demo was an economic decision back in the day, and um, it shows. (laughs) So all of that being said, I have worn myself thin, and I always talk about self-care and self-love and being kind to yourself, but I'm not practicing it. You know, I I am in some ways. I have been so much kinder to myself now than I have been before I started this podcast, but I'm not really taking what I'm saying to heart. All that being said, I need to be more strategic in what I spend my time and energy on. And so while I love this podcast, and I do feel like I could pick it up at some point down the line, my focus needs to be on my career, on getting my name out there, on networking, getting more business. So, as I said, I am a woman of my word. What are we if we are not our promises? So I will continue to tell these stories, but I'm planning on recording them in bulk so that I can schedule them out so you will have them, but there won't be any more house cleaning announcements because they'll be all in the same day or mostly, probably broken out into two days. So you won't really notice a difference, but I just wanted to let you know that that is um, what's happening going forward because you deserve to know. I love this podcast, but because I love it, I'm trying to give it more attention, time, money, advertising, and that's just not the right placement for my schedule at this point. 
I would love to see this podcast join a network and really be picked up and grow into something beautiful. But that doesn't need to happen right now. I would hate to lose you as a viewer, as a listener, by waiting. But I noticed, even through my hiatus, that people will listen to these stories when they want to and when they need them. I really care about you, listener, but I have to show myself that I care about myself too. That being said, I am not going anywhere. In fact, hopefully I'll be even more socially available. I am on all social media as Carrie Favel. I have a YouTube channel, Carrie Favel. I have another channel, Cypress. I don't post on either one too regularly, but I think I'm going to pick up the Cypress one as a hobby, not as a career. <laughs> I have to make that distinction. All of my hobbies have been career driven and that is also not healthy. <laughs> And um, I also am still on Tier 2 Works, which is a gaming channel that I run with my sister. And my niece is going to join to help kind of take off a little bit of the burden off of me as well. So I'm really excited about what the future holds, even though for the short duration at least, it won't be this podcast. I do see this podcast returning at some point in the future, but I'm not going to rush it. Sorry for that long-winded piece, but I feel like it needed to be said the moment I felt it. I am all about honesty. So today's episode is on the Chinese zodiac horse. Horses are full of energy, albeit a bit too much. Both studious and athletic, they are strong believers of chasing after dreams. Rather than wealth and fame, happiness is what motivates them. They expect others to operate at the same speed as them and don't understand why others can't. Their personality traits include being warm-hearted, enthusiastic, and positive. As they are lively and active, running in broad areas, so it is also the symbol of independence and freedom. Today's validation space comes from FamilyDoctor.org. The Myth when someone develops a mental health problem, they will have it for the rest of their lives. They will never recover. Fact. Mental health doesn't stay the same. It goes up and down over the course of your life. Many factors can influence how you feel. If any of these factors change, your mental health can change. With treatment, many of the problems you may develop are temporary. A good treatment plan will help you work through the problem and recover. This doesn't necessarily mean the problem has gone away, but you can find a way to live with it and still be a productive member of society. At the same time, feeling better might not mean you're cured. You may have to continue with your treatment plan even after you feel better. Some mental health problems never go away. These usually are more serious conditions, such as schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. But some cases of depression and anxiety are temporary and go away after treatment. And before we begin, let's start with a brief mindfulness exercise. Close your eyes and take a posture that is relaxed, taking care to keep your back and neck in alignment. As you get situated, really notice your body, feeling the weight of your body on the chair, the bed, the floor, or wherever you may be in this moment. Notice the position of your feet and any sensations you can feel with them. Locate your legs and the blunt pressure on whatever seat you are on. Feel any sensations in your arms and make sure your shoulders are soft. Where are your hands resting? What are they feeling? Acknowledge any tension that you feel in your muscles 
and allow your body to express itself, being present in the moment. Just be aware of the tension or whatever may be happening in your body. Simply note the communication with a simple thought of, I hear you, that's how it is right now. Bring your focus to your breath, but don't alter it in any way. Just feel your body's natural rhythm as you inhale and exhale. Feel the oxygen enter your lungs, that slight hitch between inhale and exhale, and the sensation of the air exiting your lungs with another micro-moment between breaths. Let's extend our awareness to our mind. What thoughts or feelings or perceptions are present right now? Again, we are just noting these thoughts and feelings in this moment. Don't try to push or shut down any sense of discomfort or unpleasant feelings, but don't dwell on them either. Simply validate them with a simple acknowledgement, such as, that's okay, that's how it is right now. Keeping the connection you have with your body, reach your hands above your head, stretching your arms. Tense up the muscles as you breathe in and hold them in place for just a moment. And now, as you release the breath, relax your muscles and place your arms back to where they were resting comfortably before. Let's repeat this once more. Raising your hands above your head, tense your muscles in your arms and shoulders as you breathe in and hold the position as you hold your breath for just a short count of four. Then release your breath as you release your muscles and rest your arms back to where they were. Now focus back to your breathing and notice how you can relax by taking slow, deep breaths in and releasing your breath slowly out. Breathe in, hold your breath, and breathe out slowly. Breathe in and out. Keep breathing deeply, gently, and slowly. Now, notice your whole body as being present. Be aware of every part at once, as best you can, as you continue to softly and deeply breathe in and out. If you are preparing yourself for bed, continue to breathe in and out, and just listen to my voice, but do not follow. If you need to ready yourself to get back to your day, then let us now widen our spatial awareness by using our other senses. What sounds do you hear in the room other than my voice? Are there any smells you can recognize? Feel the item on which you are resting with all of your body and imagine it in your mind. Try to picture it as accurately as you can without opening your eyes just yet. And now, take a deep breath in on an inhale of four. Hold your breath for a count of four. And on an audible sigh, release your breath as you open your eyes and fully come back. And now, here's the story. The Dunhorse by George Bird Grinnell Many years ago, there lived in the Pawnee tribe an old woman and her grandson, a boy about 16 years old. 
These people had no relations and were very poor. They were so poor that they were despised by the rest of the tribe. They had nothing of their own, and always, after the village started to move the camp from one place to another, these two would stay behind the rest to look over the old camp and pick up anything that the other Indians had thrown away as worn out or useless. In this way, they would sometimes get pieces of robes, worn out moccasins with holes in them, and bits of meat. Now it happened one day, after the tribe had moved away from the camp, that this old woman and her boy were following along the trail behind the rest, when they came to a miserable old worn-out dun horse, which they supposed had been abandoned by some Indians. He was thin and exhausted, was blind of one eye, and had a bad sore back, and one of his forelegs was very much swollen. In fact, he was so worthless that none of the Pawnee had been willing to take the trouble to try to drive him along with them. But when the old woman and her boy came along, the boy said, Come now, we will take this old horse, for we can make him carry our pack. So the old woman put her pack on the horse and drove him along, but he limped and could only go very slowly. The tribe moved up on the North Platte until they came to Courthouse Rock. The two poor Indians followed them and camped with the others. One day, while they were here, the young men who had been sent out to look for buffalo came hurrying into camp and told the chiefs that a large herd of buffalo were near, and that among them was a spotted calf. The head chief of the Pawnees had a very beautiful daughter, and when he heard about the spotted calf, he ordered his old crier to go about through the village and call out that the man who killed the spotted calf should have his daughter for his wife. For a spotted robe is Tiwaruksti, big medicine. The buffalo were feeding about four miles from the village, and the chiefs decided that the charge should be made from there. In this way, the man who had the fastest horse would be the most likely to kill the calf. Then all the warriors and the young men picked out their best and fastest horses and made ready to start. Among those who prepared for the charge was the poor boy on the old dun horse. But when they saw him, all the rich young braves on their fast horses pointed at him and said, Oh, see, there is the horse that is going to catch the spotted calf. And they laughed at him, so that the poor boy was ashamed and rode off to one side of the crowd, where he could not hear their jokes and laughter. When he had ridden off some little way, the horse stopped and turned his head round and spoke to the boy. He said, Take me down the creek and plaster me all over with mud. Cover my head and neck and body and legs. When the boy heard the horse speak, he was afraid, but he did as he was told. Then the horse said, Now mount, but do not ride back to the warriors, who laugh at you because you have such a poor horse. Stay right here until the word is given to charge. So the boy stayed there. And presently, all the fine horses were drawn up in line and pranced about, and were so eager to go that their riders could hardly hold them in. And at last, the old crier gave the word, Luha! Go! Then the Pawnees all leaned forward on their horses and yelled, and away they went. Suddenly, away off to the right, was seen the old dun horse. He did not seem to run. He seemed to sail along like a bird. He passed all the fastest horses, and in a moment he was among the buffalo. First he picked out the spotted calf, and charging up alongside of it, Urarish, straight flew the arrow. The calf fell. The boy drew another arrow, and killed a fat cow that was running by. Then he dismounted, and began to skin the calf, before any of the other warriors had come up. But when the rider got off the old dun horse, how changed he was. He pranced about and would hardly stand still near the dead buffalo. His back was all right again, his legs were well and fine, and both his eyes were clear and bright. The boy skinned the calf and the cow that he had killed, and then he packed all the meat on the horse and put the spotted robe on top of the load and started back to the camp on foot, leading the dun horse. 
but even with this heavy load, the horse pranced all the time and was scared at everything he saw. On the way to camp, one of the rich young chiefs of the tribe rode up by the boy and offered him twelve good horses for the spotted robe so that he could marry the head chief's beautiful daughter. But the boy laughed at him and would not sell the robe. Now, while the boy walked to the camp leading the dun horse, most of the warriors rode back, and one of those that came first to the village went to the old woman and said to her, Your grandson has killed the spotted calf. And the old woman said, Why do you come to tell me this? You ought to be ashamed to make fun of my boy because he is poor. The old warrior said, What I have told you is true. And then he rode away. After a little while, another brave rode up to the old woman and said to her, Your grandson has killed the spotted calf. When the old woman began to cry, she felt so badly because everyone made fun of her boy because he was poor. Pretty soon the boy came along, leading the horse up to the lodge where he and his grandmother lived. It was a little lodge, just big enough for two, and was made of old pieces of skin that the old woman had picked up and was tied together with strings of rawhide and sinew. It was the meanest and worst lodge in the village. When the old woman saw her boy leading the dun horse with the load of meat and the robes on it, she was very surprised. The boy said to her, Here, I have brought you plenty of meat to eat, and here is a robe that you may have for yourself. Take the meat off the horse. Then the old woman laughed, for her heart was glad. Well, when she went to take the meat from the horse's back, he snorted and jumped about and acted like a wild horse. The old woman looked at him in wonder and could hardly believe that it was the same horse. So the boy had to take off the meat, for the horse would not let the old woman come near him. That night the horse spoke again to the boy and said, Tomorrow the Sioux are coming, a large war party. They will attack the village, and you will have a great battle. Now when the Sioux are all drawn up in line of battle, and are all ready to fight, you jump onto me and ride as hard as you can, right into the middle of the Sioux, and up to the head chief, the greatest warrior, and count coup on him, and kill him. And then ride back, do this four times, and count coup on four of the bravest Sioux, and kill them, but don't go again. If you go the fifth time, maybe you will be killed, or else you will lose me. Lakuta chich, remember. So the boy promised. The next day it happened as the horse had said, and the Sioux came down and formed in line of battle. Then the boy took his bow and arrows and jumped on the dun horse and charged into the midst of them. And when the Sioux saw that he was going to strike their head chief, they all shot their arrows at him, and the arrows flew so thickly across each other that they darkened the sky. But none of them hit the boy. And he counted Ku on the chief and killed him, and then rode back. After that he charged again among the Sioux, where they were gathered thickest, and counted Ku on their bravest warrior, and killed him, and then twice more, until he had gone four times, as the horse had told him. But the Sioux and the Pawnees kept on fighting, and the boy stood around and watched the battle, and at last he said to himself, I have been four times, and have killed four Sioux, and I am all right, I am not hurt anywhere. Why may I not go again? So he jumped on the dun horse and charged again. But when he got among the Sioux, one Sioux warrior drew an arrow and shot. The arrow struck the dun horse behind the forelegs and pierced him through. The horse fell down dead, but the boy jumped off and fought his way through the Sioux and ran away as fast as he could to the Pawnees. Now, as soon as the horse was killed, the Sioux said to each other, This horse was like a man. He was brave. He was not like a horse. And they took their knives and hatchets and hacked the dun horse and gashed his flesh and cut him into small pieces. The Pawnees and Sioux fought all day long, but toward night the Sioux broke and fled. The boy felt very badly that he had lost his horse, and, after the fight was over, he went out from the village to where it had taken place to mourn for his horse. 
He went to the spot where the horse lay and gathered up all the pieces of flesh which the Sioux had cut off and the legs and the hoofs and put them all together in a pile. Then he went off to the top of a hill nearby and sat down and drew his robe over his head and began to mourn for his horse. As he sat there, he heard a great windstorm coming up and it passed over him with a loud rushing sound. And after the wind came a rain. The boy looked down from where he sat to the pile of flesh and bones, which was all that was left of his horse, and he could just see it through the rain. And the rain passed by, and his heart was very heavy as he kept on mourning. And pretty soon came another rushing wind, and after it a rain, and as he looked through the driving rain toward the spot where the pieces lay, he thought that they seemed to come together and take shape, and that the pile looked like a horse lying down, but he could not see well for the thick rain. After this came a third storm like the others, and now when he looked toward the horse, he thought he saw its tail move from side to side two or three times, and that it lifted its head from the ground. The boy was afraid and wanted to run away, but he stayed. And as he waited, there came another storm, and while the rain fell, looking through the rain, the boy saw the horse raise himself up on his forelegs and look about. Then the dun horse stood up. The boy left the place where he had been sitting on the hilltop and went down to him. When the boy had come near to him, the horse spoke and said, You have seen how it has been this day, and from this you may know how it will be after this. But Tirawa has been good and has let me come back to you. After this, do what I tell you, not any more, not any less. Then the horse said, Now lead me off, far away from the camp, behind that big hill, and leave me there tonight, and in the morning come for me. And the boy did as he was told. And when he went for the horse in the morning, he found with him a beautiful white geldling, so much more handsome than any horse in the tribe. That night the dun horse told the boy to take him again to the place behind the big hill, and to come for him the next morning. And when the boy went for him again, he found with him a beautiful black geldling. And so for ten nights he left the horse among the hills, and each morning he found a different colored horse, a bay, a roan, a gray, a blue, a spotted horse, and all of them finer than any horses that the Pawnees had ever had in their tribe before. Now the boy was rich, and he married the beautiful daughter of the head chief, and when he became older, he was made head chief himself. He had many children by his beautiful wife, and one day when his oldest boy died, he wrapped him in the spotted calf robe and buried him in it. He always took good care of his old grandmother and kept her in his own lodge until she died. The dun horse was never ridden except at feasts and when they were going to have a doctor's dance, but he was always led about with the chief wherever he went. The horse lived in the village for many years until he became very old and at last he died. Thank you for listening. I welcome you back anytime you may need to hear a comforting voice or a familiar bedtime story.